welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. My son's hand in mine as we take a walk after dark. Saturday morning coffee in the living room with my husband. Campfires, the scramble of, for scarves and boots and mittens after the first snowfall. Absolute quiet. My history is a scattering of joys, like beads on a string. They are the moments I hang on to, these joyful ones, the things I remember and photograph and talk about years later. But if that was the last word on joy, a collection of emotional highs and good feelings, we'd have another word for it. Happiness. A marriage of endorphins and spirit, science and God. Happiness is good and beautiful but it is too small for joy. Because some days are dark, and some moods are darker, and what of happiness then? Happiness flees when I shrink from rejection. Happiness doesn't touch me when my aloneness feels more like loneliness. But joy, this is where joy shows its stuff. Joy is wild, it cannot be tamed or contained it cannot be minimized with a definition. In that way, I suppose, it is like the God from which it flows. Joy is the weed that improbably pushes up through the concrete sidewalk. Great power, deep roots. The angels proclaim joy once upon a night to shepherds. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And then they named this joy, a savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord, a joy that does not flee in the face of anything, but rather is wherever I am, assuring, comforting, I've got you. Even when you haven't got yourself, I will not let you go. This is the joy Paul could talk about from a prison cell, David from exile, Maybe this is the joy that allowed Mary to treasure things in her heart, even as everything logical was falling apart. That compelled Joseph to care for and protect and stand by his family, even when it meant certain social disgrace. Maybe this was the joy they held in their arms. Today my art is expressing the word joy. Joy is hard to define, and the painting that I did today is an abstract painting. It's not usually how I work, um, but there's an artist that I really appreciate, and his name is Barnett Newman, and he's an abstract minimalist painter, and he paints these huge canvases that are just usually one color, and it's just totally saturated, and then they'll just be one line or two lines in the whole painting, and they're huge, and you're meant to view them from about six inches away, so they just dominate your field of vision. Everything you can see, it's meant to just encompass all your senses. And joy is really hard to define, so abstract seemed appropriate. Um, for me, joy grows from trust, which can be really hard. Um, it's not about getting your surroundings just right. And this idea of thinking of Barnett Newman in these paintings where you have to be so close and all I could think was joy comes from being able to just trust God and step back. 
And when you step back, you get away from the blackness and sometimes the darkness. That's all you can see or feel. And you can look at the golden moments that have always been there and have been a part of your life and the moments of joy that are just woven throughout your story. And when you step back, you can really see that that's just a part of your history. So today we invite you to consider the arrival of joy. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Renee. I got my eye on that one. Kind of like that. I'm going to have to beat you to it. <coughs> Somebody, uh, we did this last year, this series, and there's a piece that uh, people ask about. They're like, what's that, the chalk one with the flames? I'm like, yeah, pretty much in my bedroom, and uh, you'll never see it again. <laughs> so, uh, no, seriously, thank you. Um, I'm going to call an audible. I wasn't planning on starting this way. If you have your Bibles, turn to John 21. Uh, What I was going to say is this is going to be less of a teaching from the scriptures and more of kind of my reflections on joy, but I just cannot shake this passage. Uh, We spent, Toph and Ben and I, uh, a couple of days up in the woods. If you uh, follow uh, the Facebook and Twitter feeds at Awaken, and we did a little silent retreat. And uh, so we spent two days, for the most part, in silence, which is uh, a very interesting experience if you have never done this before. Uh, there's something that is only accessible in, I would, I would submit, uh, as we relate to God, that's only accessible in and through silence. When we take time and set it aside to meet with just, to just be with God. Uh, there was this guy named Joe who uh, welcomed us to this place. It's called Pachaman Terrace. It's this little, it's a, it's a hermitage. <laughs> so literally like each of the places that we, it was a little tiny hut so we were hermits for a couple days. Your pastors at Awaken, hermits. Um, but Joe welcomes us, and as we're driving out to the, the hermitage, uh, Toff says to him, we're just welcomed with unbelievable hospitality. And Toff says, Joe, thank you so much for your hospitality. And without skipping a beat, Joe says, you're royalty. You're guests of the king. People who come here come to meet with God, and so I get to take you there, and it's my honor. I was like, hmm, Interesting. Royalty. I kind of like that. (laughs) So as I was out there, I read this passage, and it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. One, I feel like I relate to Peter a little bit, but two, um, John 21, I'm going to start in uh, verse 7. So Jesus sees them on the shore. They've just, he's died, resurrected. They've gone back to fishing, right? And Jesus says in verse 7, this isn't on the screen, so if you Uh, have your Bibles. (laughs) Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, he wraps his outer garment around him and he jumps in the water. (laughs) He gets dressed, he like puts his clothes back on and then jumps in the water. Like what motivates somebody to do this? It doesn't make any sense. The other disciples following in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire and burning coals with fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring me some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon climbs back in the boat, sopping wet, of course, and he drags the net ashore. It's full of large fish, 153, like John, the writer, had any time to count, but we'll just take him at his word. Even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast with me. 
I'm wondering what is in Peter's heart at this moment right here. I, I just have to believe it's joy. Like what causes you, you're in a boat, you see Jesus, the person you thought is dead, he's standing on the shore, there he is, and you see him, and so you clothe yourself and then jump in the water. Can you imagine the scene? Like, just put yourself there, right? You're, you're the Sea of Galilee. You've seen pictures of it. I showed you. They're in a boat. He jumps in the boat, and the boat's coming in, right? And so you, you can only imagine that Peter is literally swimming, fully clothed, as the boat rows next to him. Like, it's just completely, it's crazy. It's asinine. Like, what a scene. What drives somebody to do that? It's him. He jumps in. And then Jesus says, why don't you bring me some of your fish? Like he doesn't have enough, but he wants yours. And he invites you to bring what you have to the table. And, to, and then he says, come and eat with me. I just wonder if that's what joy sounds like. Week two, uh, I've said this last week, this is a difficult series because it's like joy, right? It's how do you define it? How do you say anything about it that hasn't already been said? So I want to just offer some of my reflections over the past week, some of my time uh, as a hermit, uh, some of these things that have come to me. So um, I would start by, well, let's start with the definition, right? So the Google's uh, Merriam-Webster says this, uh, joy is a feeling of great happiness or a source or cause of delight. It's a difficult word, right? When we say, when I say, what is joy? I think many of us think happiness. You know, it's like happy when you're happy, when you're smiling, when things are going well, you're filled with joy. It's a good day. But joy is a bit like blessed in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are the, those who are hungry. It's kind of like that word. It's like some translators say, well, it's happy. Happy are those who dot, dot, dot. And many people say that's just not big enough. Like joy is too big. For happiness. And I think I would agree with Liz on that one. So what can we say about joy? Here are just a few of my thoughts. Um, I would say t- first, um, if you've been around Awaken long enough, you might see this theme or hear this theme come up. <clears throat> because I think it's one of the questions that the Bible is constantly asking us. I would say joy begins with seeing. And I think the question a question that arises over and over and over and over again in the scriptures is, can you see? And not just do your eyes work, like can you see what's in front of you, but can you or do you live from a place or or can you access the place that's being invited for you to access and live from where you see the world in a particular kind of way? through a particular kind of lens. How many of you have had, you, you've, you've, you've heard two people tell the story, they went to the same concert, or they saw the same event, and historically, physically, like the same exact thing happened in front of their eyes, and yet you get two very different accounts, right? I want to suggest that joy begins with seeing. That it's something that you can see, experience, live into, receive, or not. And many, I'm sure we could go around the room and tell stories of the crazy uncle or the aunt who just always lives from that place of bitterness and lack or want or it's never enough or not there. Or, and then somebody else, maybe even from the same family. Totally different story. Totally different view, right? Like they're, they're on different 
overlooks somehow, and yet they're the same. I want to suggest that joy is, begins with seeing. We can train ourselves. I think this is part of the spiritual life. This is part of the spiritual disciplines where we actually, we create these, intentionally, we try to create these grooves in our souls that allow us to see from that place. This is what prayer does. This is what silence does. This is what fasting does. These are some of these disciplines that allow these grooves to be worn in our souls and in our hearts that allow us to view the world from such a place where it's, it's all a gift. It's grace. The breath you just took. Either you deserve that, you are entitled to that, you're a human, this is your space too, or it's a gift. It's grace. I think we can train ourselves. I had a friend uh, that I worked with, <clears throat> actually Amy and Dave, they used to come to Awaken before they moved to Fergus Falls. I'm not really sure what is in Fergus Falls. Uh, maybe any of you, is anyone from Fergus Falls? That would be terrible. Okay, great. We're okay. Okay. <laughs> I have these moments where I say something and then I'm like, <gasps> that many of you have on my behalf. I know. You just sit there and you're like, oh my gosh. Lord. <laughs> that is my wife. I love it. Yes, yes. Yep. Every week, usually, Micah, every week. I've, I've typically stopped saying the names of people in stories unless I really know them and I know they wouldn't care if I told them. So Amy, my good friend Amy, I worked with her at Faith Covenant, she used to have this, uh, <clears throat> this sign in her office that hung in her cube. You know, the, the kitschy kind that you'd find in a craft store in like mid-Minnesota somewhere? You know, like say, uh, uh, Niswa, right? <clears throat> Full of these kinds of things, Niswa. <clears throat> Choose joy, it would say. And I used to walk by this thing, and she would often say it, you know. It's kind of, it was kind of her mantra, you remember. Choose joy. And she's, hey, she's right. I think there's something there. Joy's about seeing. So when you meet somebody that's filled with joy, when you meet somebody who often has experiences where they sort of well up with this thing that we call joy, I would suggest that you ask a couple of questions and root around a little bit and see if there isn't a story that's connected to that kind of person. Because more often than not, it has been my experience that when I find somebody like that and I ask a couple of questions, there has been a series of events in their life that have led them to the place where they see the world in a particular way and they access the joy that's possible and present because of the way that they see the world. Sometimes it sneaks up on us. It surprises us. It's... Uh, but I think more often than not, it's something that we train our eyes to see. So uh, uh, two days ago, I'm with Toph and Ben in this, on this retreat. And uh, it's strict code of silence at the hermitage, friends. Uh, when you're out there, you know, you're just supposed to nod if you see any other hermits. That's what they, they say. So if you see any other hermits walking the paths, it's kind of like, is this Middle Earth? Or like, you know, like, what's kind of going out here? You know, hermits, you know, they're just... They, they go for it. They're all in. So if, you, if you see any other hermits out on the paths, you know, no need to say anything. Just nod. That's polite hermit speak. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that, of course it would be. So strict code of silence at the hermitage, right? Uh, ben and Toph and I broke it. Okay, uh, just moment of honesty, confession. Um, I'm walking in from, from the path. Uh, I think we were, uh, it was close to dinner or something. 
uh, at which point you can break the code of silence at dinner. But so I, I come in and I see, I saw their footsteps, right? Newly fallen snow. And I, see, I saw their footsteps. So I knew that they had already come. And as I'm walking in the sort of bottom entrance to the, to the big sort of common house, I see a walking stick there. All right, we're hermits out in the woods. Walking stick, of course you'd have one. So there's the walking stick and I walk in and certainly there's Toph and Ben and they're in the library breaking the code of silence. And so I join them. And uh, uh, Toph says, oh, we had, we had stopped to get a, a new blend of pipe tobacco. We, this is the, uh, we enjoy smoking a pipe together sometimes, and we thought, what a better place than while being hermits out in the woods to smoke a pipe. So if you know Toph, you'll know he has this thing, he calls it the pipe of destiny. <laughs> Have any of you seen the pipe of destiny? Yeah, a couple of you. It's gigantic. It's like Gandalf. I mean, honest to goodness, it is literally like 14 inches. It's huge. And it's this big sort of like war kind of deal. And like ships come out in smoke, you know, like <laughs> drive through it. But when you see either Toph or I, I actually took it to Israel because I thought we're better to smoke the pipe of destiny than Israel, right? When you see the two of us smoking this thing, it's kind of like, really, guys? Come on. Be that as it may, he's got the pipe of destiny. And he says, oh, did you see my pipe out there? And I stop. It's like, I imagine, I see the picture of what I saw when I walked in the door. There's no pipe. It's just a walking stick. So I go back outside, and sure enough, sure as the day is long, what's there but the pipe of destiny? It had been there the whole time, friends. I didn't see it. Is it, any, is it possible that joy has this sort of character where it's there, but sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we walk right past it. Joy begins with seeing. I think joy is, is often the outcome of seeing God's heart. The outcome of seeing God's heart. So if happiness and joy are two different things, if we're talking qualitatively different things, when we get close enough, when we have the distinct honor and privilege to get near the heart of God and we have an experience or a moment or a person or somebody that represents it to us, that thing that wells up inside of us, many, I, I think some might call it the ineffable, right? The unqu- you, you, you can't describe it, you can't quantify it, it's just something that wells up inside of you. I think that's joy. And it happens when we see God's heart. For me, I shared this experience in Israel and I have, you know, thank, thanks to my friend Steve, I have this photo of Rabbi Allen sitting next to me with his arm around me. And like, this is God's heart for me. And when I see that picture, what happens in me? Not, oh man, I'm so happy that that was my experience. No, it's like this thing that grows inside of me. I've, I've read from this book last week, uh, and I want to just read one short little piece of this. Uh, this is a book by Fred, Frederick Beekner, uh, my good friend Fred. I've been eating this up lately. L- listen to this. He says, We are above all things loved. We are above all things loved. That is the good news of the gospel. And loved not just the way we turn up on Sundays in our best clothes and on our best behavior and with our best feet forward, but loved as we alone know ourselves to be. The weakest and shabbiest of what we are, along with the strongest 
and the gladdest to come together as people who believe that just maybe this gospel is actually true should be to come together like people who have just won the Irish sweepstakes. Joy is the outcome. It's what wells up inside of us. It's the product of seeing what God's heart really looks like. What if above all else, today as you come here this morning, you are loved by the divine? (laughs) I think joy comes to us. So often in religion and with spiritual things and with church and the Bible, it's like we have this sort of rat race mentality where we chase after it or we have to get it or acquire it or handle it or learn it or, you know, memorize it or all these things. And then we sort of feel better about ourselves, right? You know, like sword drills. James 1, 1, you know. You got to memorize, you got to get it. (laughs) I don't even know what James 1, 1 is, so... That would have been awesome had I known it, you know, like, 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus, but do it with gentleness and respect. That would have been better. We'll stick with that one. <laughs> you know, we got to, like, get it. We got to acquire it. We got to grab it. We have to, you know. What if joy comes to you? What if it's not something that you can get or acquire or master or grasp, but it's like a gift that you receive? It's something that's given to you. It comes when you stop chasing it, right? The paradoxical nature of faith and spiritual things. It comes when you stop chasing it. What if joy comes when you just stop, rest, receive, listen? Maybe those people were right, those old saints and desert fathers and mothers Silence and rest and stopping. I wonder if they knew something about joy. It's been my experience that it shows up when you least expect it too, right? It comes to you and just out of nowhere, like, you know, here I am sitting and Malcolm, arms up, and it's like, yeah, (laughs) yes, whatever that is. I was fishing with Dahlia, my my middle daughter. Uh, I offer to each of my children, if you'd like to go fishing on your birthday, I will take you, which is a bit difficult for Hadley, November 14. We've had some chilly days in the boat, but she's a trooper. I have this one picture with her. There's like steam coming out of her nostrils, and we're holding this gigantic walleye. It's one of my favorite pictures in the whole world. This is awesome. God, I pray that they never say no. Um, so so we're, so it, Dahlia, a little bit better. It's October 8, right? I think I said October 14 last hour, and somebody laughed, and it threw me all off. It's October 8. Um, so she's got a better crack at it. So this year, I say, hey, do you want to go out? Dally and I go out, and it is a picture-perfect fall day. You know? Do you guys remember this? Actually, just actually, six weeks ago or so. <laughs> uh, it's hard to believe right now, but it's 70, like two degrees. There is not a breath of wind. The leaves are in perfect color, and we're just killing walleyes, like, hand over fist, slaying them, right? I mean, this is awesome. And Dahlia stops, and she looks right at me, seven, and she goes, Dad, isn't it peaceful out here? Just like, never saw it coming. Just slays me. Shows up when you least expect it. I mean, think about creation, right? 
think about the world that we live in. You know, we look out these windows and we, and it, you know, it's bad news, friends. That's what we think, right? I'm sitting, I'm sitting in my, my hermitage, out looking out this massive picture window. At one point, I sat for like three hours straight, didn't move. Didn't drink much water either, because I didn't want to have to go to the bathroom. But there I am, in my rocking chair, looking out the window. Do you want to know what moved? Nothing. Not a movement. Not a leaf that fell. Not a... I looked. Not a beat of life moved for like three hours. It was all frozen. At which point, us Minnesotans, right? We know this is dear. This is close. This, this is a potential of like a serious spiral downhill to despair. You know? Because we're thinking, it's, only, it's not even Christmas yet. And nothing is moving. It's all dead, dying, frozen. Or is it? Do you, do you know what is happening right now? It would appear that there is no life. I mean, what makes, a, what makes the bulb of a tulip, what makes that grow? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, that is just absolutely fascinating, right? These, these bulbs, they're, you can peel them all apart, and there's no heart inside. And yet, somehow these things, every spring, they bloom. What makes them do that? Right now, as we speak, what is happening out our windows is death. It appears like there is no life to be seen. And in three months, it will be really bad. But what is happening literally underneath our feet is that all of creation is just gathering up its energy from the God who made it. And then right when we least expect it, that crocus just goes, bam! And it's usually like through a snowbank, right? You know, like those first warm days of spring when it hits like 50 or something, and we're all just like, oh my God, <laughs> you are alive! The crocus just, boom! It's like, where did that come from? Right when you least expect it. Joy. It's joy. Joy is often in the small things, too. Right? I mean, it is it any wonder, you know, that the God that we believe to be true in the Bible, and what does Jesus say about the mustard seed? You know, the smallest of seeds becomes the biggest of plants that house the birds of the field. And the, the things that are hidden become seen. The things that are small become... Is it any wonder that joy often shows up in these tiny little crevices, right? It's the weed that pushes through the concrete and it's just like, I will not be yelled down! It's these small little things, tiny little things. I mean, I'm sitting in this... When something did move after three hours, do you know what it was? It was a squirrel. I was absolutely enamored by this squirrel. Just leaping from limb to limb. I mean, we're talking massive gaps of three, four, five feet, just pow, total balance under control. Like they, and they, you know what they land on? 
tiny little sticks. Can you imagine that? I mean, it's just unbelievable. When nothing moves for three hours, like a ladybug could be amazing. But it's just a squirrel. Or like a hot, perfect cup of coffee on a cold night with a good book. Check, please. I just... A freshly cut Christmas tree? Come on now. For those of you who don't do real trees, let's just have a little chit-chat if I could. (laughs) You know? I mean, you cut that thing down, and it's just like, pow. Like, you can't... They try to. I I bought the candle at Target. You can't. It's It's like a baby, right? The smell of a baby's head. Oh, come on. Dad's in the room. Are you with me? Mom's in the room. Come on now. When the little baby nestles in, right? It's the little things. Oh, listen to this one. So Laura and I are at our friend's house. Snuck up. Came out of nowhere. Just a little thing. We're at our friend's house. Uh, They just had their fourth. Four, right? Wow. Jinkies. My mom was here in the first hour, and I'm like, five. How did you do it? I still don't know. Four. So we arrive, you know, and life has happened here at this home, which is code word for all the times when people are coming over to your house and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to clean up, right? You know that feeling? You know, there's like socks in the corner and some kid walks by with one sock on and their pants on backwards and bedhead and there's a Dora cup and you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay, we're all there, right? And so we're listening to to these, these... well, new parents of their fourth, but uh, old parents. And they're, they're like telling us about life and just, you know, it's, it's hard. Four little kids running around and like, good Lord have mercy, you know. And then it happens. And Laura's down on the floor with their third. And I actually, I had him record this because I wanted you guys to hear this. So this is what ensued. <laughs> like, if you don't have a smile on your face now, you're dead. (laughs) And we'll call the ambulance in and take you out to the hospital because you have no pulse. You are not human if you do not feel what you just felt. That's joy. Just the little things. Maybe just a couple more. Uh, We are the happenings of divine joy. What if, what if, you ever think about why are you here? I mean, like big existential question, right? Like, okay, slow down the bus. Let's get serious. Why are you here? What is the meaning of all this anyways? And there's lots of theories about this, right? You know, it's kind of like eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we die. You know, this world is a product of divine cosmic warfare, and then here we are. Or, and this is why the story of the scriptures is so fascinating against all of the other stories it sits with. What if you're the product of divine delight? What if we're here, not because of some sort of bizarre, weird, you know, uh, response of the gods or, or 
warfare, but what if you and I, what if we are the product of actual like delight and joy? And what if not only you are made from joy, but you are made for joy? Like the point of all this is actually beauty and delight and joy. Like what if that's the point? That changes everything, right? You ever think about Adam? You remember Adam and Eve, right? First story in the Bible. Okay? Adam is created on what day? Thank you. It's the sixth day. Adam's created on the sixth day, right? And then the text says, and, the, and uh, it was the sixth day. It was good at the sixth day. What's Adam's first experience as a human? What's his first day? Come on, friends. Shabbat, the seventh day. What is, what is Sabbath? It's delight. It's joy. It is intimacy with the God who made you. Adam's first day in creation is delight. It's joy. What if that's the point? What if you, what if your coworker in the cube next to you is the product of divine delight? You're like, impossible. <laughs> no way, no how. What if your uncle, your grandma, your whoever, what if you're the product? What if we are all the, the, the children of delight? That's a beautiful thought. What if that's the gospel? What if the good news is you are loved? <laughs> Lastly, and this one, it's maybe a bit, you might think, contradictory, but joy comes to us, but I would say joy is something that, joy is active, not passive. By that I mean, your response matters. I think that joy is just beyond our sort of, eh? yeah, yeah, well, how's it going? You know how we do. We sort of just hold it in. My grandpa used to say, keep your cards close to your chest. That was when we were actually playing cards. <laughs> He'd say, I can see all your cards. <laughs> grandpa, how do you keep beating me? But we kind of do that, right? We sort of hold it in. Don't let her go. What if joy is for the courageous people? who will do the really, really hard work of taking the walls that we've built and maybe just for a few moments put them down. I think the best kind of relationships, the best friendships, the best sex, the best intimacy, the best, it's only possible when we put them down, when we're vulnerable, when we put ourselves out there when we're courageous and brave. So I want to suggest to you this morning a few of these thoughts on as we journey towards Christmas Eve and Advent. Joy, it's there for us to receive. It's a gift. But it requires us to see. It requires us to pay attention. The ability to receive a gift, there's a sermon. 
It's not tit for tat, friends. You owe nothing. It's actually a gift. It's given to you. You don't have to pay it back. You don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to figure out when you're going to invite them over so you can give them dinner. It's a gift. And I think it will require you to show up, which is maybe the invitation this morning. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash community or on Twitter at Community. See you next time.